My ears are big today because they got pulled. They got pulled till they were fire red until I thought they were melting off my head. That's, uh. And because our parents spanked us and disciplined us, I, I suffer from a thing called respect. I suffer from a thing called respect for others now since we got whooped when we were little. Anyway, that's not the sermon today. Let's get into the word. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Everybody's standing. We're short on time today, but that's all right. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Today we'll consider verses 9 through 14. We've already read verses 1 through 8. Today we're going to read verses 9 through 14 by the grace of God. Uh, When you have it, shout, I got it. Okay. I'll wait for you. I want you to read as loud as you can like you're alive today. Ready? Read. Uh huh. Verse 10. Verse 11. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he. Verse 12. I perceive that there is nothing better for them to be. Oh, let's read that again. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be. And? Somebody shall be joyful. Somebody shall do good. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor. Come on, tell them, neighbor. Be joyful and do good. How long? As long as they, long as they live. Verse 13. Also that everyone should what? And drink and what? Because this is what? Verse 14. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear. That'll preach all by itself. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God has done it so that people would reverence before him. Bow your heart in prayer. Father, we love you and thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Help me to preach it like you gave it to me. Grant me clarity of mind, precision of speech, and give these your people an ear to hear, the heart to receive, and the grace to apply. Lord, lastly, I ask that your people would be edified and that your name be glorified. And this we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Be seated. If we had time or if we read verses 1 through 8, giving somewhat of an overview, Solomon, also known as the preacher, uh, tells us that there's a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. In verses 1 through 8, we learn that earthly pursuits, whatever we pursue while we're alive on earth, they are lawful in their proper time and in their proper order. But those things that we pursue outside of their time and order, they are unprofitable to us because they're done out of time and out of place. It is possible for you to do the right thing at the wrong time. It's possible for you to do something good or even something godly that is outside of its proper time and place. There's a time and a place for everything. Somebody shout, there's a time and a place for everything. 
you have to know this. That's what the preacher tells us in verses 1 through 8. It is possible for you to pursue something out of its proper time. There is a time for you to pursue relationships. There's a time for you to pursue business. There's a time for you to pursue what God would have you to pursue. God will always give you the grace in whatever season you're in to pursue what he would have you to pursue. We get into trouble, though, when, we're, when our pursuit is out of his time and order. Some of y'all got married and you weren't ready to get married and therefore you ended up in a tumultuous relationship. I know this is hard to say amen to, but we oftentimes find ourselves in precarious situations, not because it's God's will for our life, but because we were pursuing something outside of God's time. Are you hearing me today? Shout amen. Uh, it is entirely possible for you to be out of God's time and order. And so sometimes if you're frustrated in life or if your relationship appears to be going nowhere or if you feel like you're stuck in this season, it might be because you're trying to do something good out of God's time. And so don't allow yourself to fall into the trap. That's why uh, at the risk of sounding redundant, you must be able to discern the season that you're in. This might not be a season for you to reap. This might be a time for you to sow. This might not be a season for you to be laughing every bit every day this might be a season for you to be serious this might be a season for you ultimately to be planning it might be a season for you to pluck up this might be a time to live it might be a time to bury what is dead but that's why discernment is absolutely everything in the life of a believer and discernment is something that i believe is lacking in the church of america in my life and even in this house it's in every assembly we need god to give us discernment if you don't discern the season that you're in you're going to end up frustrated at the very least, but not only frustrated, you're going to end up out of God's order. And so that's why Solomon tells us, Solomon is known or he is referred to as the preacher. The preacher here tells us and reminds us there is a time and place. There is a rhythm to everything that God does. God is cyclical. There's a cycle. There's a purpose behind every season of your life. But you have to understand and recognize what season that you're in. If we were to take a survey today and ask you what season are you in, you should be able to say this is not a season of growth for me. This is a season of learning or, or, or this is a season for me to be quiet or this is a season where I'm sitting and waiting on God. You have to be able to discern what season God has you in right now. Not every season is a season of harvest. There are times for you to sow. I wish somebody would say amen to that. Some of y'all are waiting on a harvest and God's waiting for you to sow. Some of y'all are trying to force something uh, into happening, but it's not God's time. But when it's God's time, and I sense his help right here, when it's God's time, there ain't a devil in hell that can stop it. My God. When it's God's time, something magical. Ah, I feel like preaching. Something magical, something supernatural happens when you operate in God's time. My Lord, you don't have to force it. Who am I talking to? You don't got to force it. You don't have to pass out business cards. You don't need to work so hard to get your marketing now. God begins to open doors for you that no man can open and that no man can shut. Who am I talking to? When you're in God's time, it just feels like everything just flows right. You don't have to try so hard. Come on now. Happiness just comes. Have you ever met somebody? Have you ever been in the perfect will of God and your relationship is better than it's ever been? Something just feels right about being in God's perfect time and order. But oh, you also know what it's like to try to force something out of God's time in order. Baby, he could be the handsomest dude on the planet, but it just ain't working right. How come? Because it's out of God's time and order. Somebody shout time and order. 
but when God, when you're in God's time and when you're in his order, you don't even have to force it. You don't have to, you don't have to go against the grain. It feels like the wind is at your back. That's how important it is for you to discern what season that you're in. It'll, it'll, it, it'll keep you from a lifetime of frustration and futility. Are you in the house still? All right, now let's look at verse 9. Let's finish our study. I won't take too much more of your time. I just want to talk to you all today. Help me read verse 9. Here's a great question provided by the preacher. Ready? Read. What gain? Uh, I lost y'all. Everybody read. What gain? Great question. Verse 10. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Give me the principle. Verse 9 and 10 reminds us that when these things, when good things, by, by these things, I mean when we try to do these things that Solomon talks about in verses 1 through 8, when these things are pursued as the chief good, then they're futile. Well, what do you mean by that, preacher? When we pursue good things outside of God's time, that pursuit is futile. Or whatever we pursue, if the pursuit of those things is the chief end, then it's futility. The preacher would also call it vanity. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. In other words, what Solomon is trying to teach us is this. If whatever you're pursuing is the chief end game, then your pursuit will end in futility. In other words, if you're going after something, even if it's something good, with the intention that that thing satisfy you, you're going to end up empty. You're going to come up empty every time. There is a God-sized void in every human being that only God can fill. Some of you, let me, let me put it to you another way. Some of you thought that all you needed in life was to be married and then you got married and you realized one day when you woke up next to that dude, you realized that that wasn't it either. Ah, I know it's hard to say amen because you're sitting next to your spouse. I know she's pretty. I know he's handsome and strong, but how many can be honest in the house of God and and can say, I got what I thought I wanted, I got what I thought I needed, and there was still something missing. You thought, all I need is a new car. God gave you the car, but now you're mad every time you put gas in it. See, those things are good. There's nothing wrong with pursuing good things. But if the chief end of that pursuit is that those things satisfy you, you're going to end up You're going to end up empty every time. And so that's what the preacher is telling us. When good things, when these things are pursued as the chief good, then they're futile. Ultimately, the Westminster Catechism, I hate to get brainy on you, but the Westminster Catechism asked the question, what is then the chief end of man? If you've ever wondered or asked, what's my purpose for existence? What is the chief end of man? The answer then is this. The chief end of man is to glorify God mm-hmm, and to enjoy him. Somebody shout him. Yeah, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy enjoy him forever you see how many if you've lived long enough you know that good things are good but those good things can never satisfy i don't know i wish i had a church in here that can testify good things are good somebody shout it's all good Uh, but it can't satisfy your soul the joy is temporary it doesn't last you got a new car you were glad for a little while but then it starts to smell like it did Your kids spill food and they come on. I remember when I got my new car and nobody could eat in the car. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. My kids were hungry. Dad, we're hungry. Can we go to McDonald's? No, no McDonald's. We're in the new car. But after a little while, just last night, there we were in that new car at the drive-thru at Sonics. And there they were popping tater tots in the backseat like they were like it was going out of style.
The point is this, our, the chief end of man is not to just enjoy the earthly blessings of God, but the chief end of man or the chief purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Whether you realize it or not, you are not, you are not going to live forever. But I thank God that for those of us that are born again, spirit-filled and on our way to heaven, you will live forever. The question is, where will you spend eternity? Hopefully, if you're saved today, you can say with all assurance, I'm going to live in the glory of God for all eternity. Are there any saved? people that are on their way to heaven at Abundant Life Church on this Sunday morning. Does anybody know how to say, I'm on my way to glory and I'm glad about it? And so the chief end, your end purpose is to glorify God. There's nothing wrong with pursuing good things, but if the chief end of that pursuit are things, then there's something wrong. There's nothing wrong with pursuing good things, but if the chief end of your pursuit is things, then your pursuit is ultimately wrong. You're misled and misguided. Your end game, the end game of your life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Thank God for good things, but those things are only things and they can never satisfy the longing of your soul. Only God can do that. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say only God. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, only God. Tell him again, only God. Only God can satisfy, so what are you pursuing? Only God can satisfy, so what's the end of your pursuit? There's nothing wrong with pursuing a better job, a better career, a better relationship. Those things are good. They're right. They have their place. But always have the end game. Let it always be to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Thank God for good things in your life. Thank God for good relationships. Thank God for good seasons. But remember always that your end is to glorify him. Are you in the house? Shout hallelujah. All right. Now let's look at verse 11 now. We're running through this. Verse 11. Ready? Read. Beautiful in my time. In my time, in my time, in my time, when I want. He's made everything beautiful in what? In its time. Also, he has put what? Eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That tells us, put it up there, that God, not you, God makes everything beautiful in its season. We struggle to comprehend this. And I know that we struggle to comprehend this because when we're in a difficult season, we do everything within our power to make it better. I shared this with the first service and I'm going to share it with you now. I, I know y'all are never out of sync with God. I know you are always in perfect step with him. I know none of you struggle with impatience. None of you, none of you ever get ahead of God. Pray for me because I struggle with these things. I know y'all get it right every time, but pray for your pastor. And so I have a tendency of wanting to get ahead of God. I struggle with waiting on God sometimes. I know you never struggle, but, but I struggle with waiting. I want to get ahead of God. Think of this because I believe that God moves too slow for me. Think about what I just said. I think the God of the universe is too slow for me. And so I get ahead of him. He doesn't move when I want him to move like I want him to move. And so I find myself making decisions that are outside of his will. And then I have the audacity, the unmitigated gall to turn around and get mad at God when I end up in a hole. It's not because it was his will that I end up in that ditch. It's because I couldn't have, I didn't have the grace or the fortitude to wait on his timing. I know you don't want to say amen to this because you've never found yourself in a ditch or in a precarious situation. But only your pastor has found himself in a hole. I know, pray for me. But I found myself in a hole and then I have the audacity to, turn, to look up to heaven and say, God, why am I? Am I in this mess? And he, I, I, I can almost feel him looking at me like, I didn't tell you to get ahead of me, but you went ahead and. 
That's why the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their what? Their strength. Oh, there's something to be said about people that can wait. Touch your neighbor and tell wait on the Lord. Uh, this is a word for somebody. This is a word for somebody. If you would have waited, God had something better. Mm, if you would have waited, God had something better. I don't want you to look suspect at your boyfriend or girlfriend, but they might not be the one. Don't look at them now. Don't look to your left or right. But God, don't look. I said, don't look. Don't look at them. She's sitting right next to you. But God might have something better. You're already married. Too late for you. But God makes everything beautiful in its season. The second thing that the text tells us, put it up there. The second thing that it tells us is that man, somebody shout man. All men have an awareness and a longing for what is eternal. Yes, God put it there. God put it in their hearts. God made us that way. That's why there's always a longing for things that are eternal. You can call them spiritual. There's a longing. Even people that don't know God, there is something deposited in them by their creator that longs for what is eternal. That's why you're in church on a Sunday morning when you could be asleep in bed. Uh, that's why because there's a longing for what is eternal even when you were in sin some of you were strung out on methamphetamine some of you were alcoholic some of you were absolutely destitute and in the gutter but there was something in your soul that longs for eternity God is the one according to Solomon God is the one that put that longing in your soul you didn't wake up one day and have a longing for God no God put it in the heart of every man an awareness for things that are eternal because he is indeed the everlasting God and so God God has put that longing in your soul. That's why you can have good things and still have something missing there. It's God. It's a, it's a void that only God can feel because he is your creator. Somebody say amen if you're following me today. There's an awareness there. That's why we're able to preach the gospel to the lost and they respond. Why do they respond? It's not because we're selling something good. It's not because we're great oratory, uh, uh, because of our great oratory abilities. It's because there's eternity in the heart of every man. And so when you preach the gospel, it awakens what's already on the inside of them. Your body Bible says that God has given unto every man, not only believer, unto every man has been given the what? The measure of faith. There's something on the inside. Be encouraged right now. If your family's living like the devil right now, don't cast them off. Come on. Don't, don't give up on them. There's eternity on the inside of them that's waiting to be, come on, that's waiting to be, that's waiting to be sparked, that's waiting to be ignited. There's something there that's waiting to be ignited. Somebody shout hallelujah. God put it there. Touch your neighbor and tell him, God put it there. It's an awareness. There's a longing for things that are eternal. That's why I preach the gospel because that, you, can't, you can't avoid it. It's there. It's in your soul. Come on. Some of you have tried to walk away from God. You're not going to say amen to that. Some of you have tried to turn your back on God, but there's a longing in your soul. There's something that keeps drawing you back. It's like the movie The Godfather. Every time I try to get out, they keep pulling me back in. Come on. Talk to me in here. That's something in your soul. Hallelujah. That's what God has put there. That's why you can try your hardest to get away from God, and he's going to find you. You don't believe me? I wish you could interview Jonah. Jonah said, I'm going to hop on this boat and I'm going to run from God. But the destiny that God had for Jonah's life was far greater than his determination to run. I'll say that again. The destiny that God had for Jonah's life was greater than his determination to run. God will find you on a boat. Come on, trying to run from his purpose. He has a whale with your name on it that will swallow you whole and will spit you up. 
I got to settle down. I know I, I've tried it. I, I know I know it's strange to hear a preacher say, I've tried to get away from the will of God. I try to run from his purpose. I try to say, God, maybe you picked the wrong one. Why'd you pick me? I'm a, maybe there's somebody else more qualified. Let me answer that. There are people more qualified than I, but that's what makes the grace of God amazing is that he chooses the most vile among us. He chooses, come on, he t- God has a habit of, of finding treasure buried in the dirt where nobody else would look, where nobody else expects anything good. Yeah, can anything good come from the Coachella valley can anything good come out of the city of Coachella you're looking at it right now and it's not that I'm good for goodness sake it's because he's good and has a habit of raising up nobody's like me there's eternity there it's there the third thing that we see in the text I gotta move I'm already out of time and I can hear sausage calling my name Though God has given man a longing for and an awareness of eternity, God still has not revealed everything about his eternal work. Though there is a longing, though God has given to every man that awareness of eternity, he still hasn't shown us the entire picture. And here's why. If God showed you the entire picture, you you wouldn't have to walk by faith. If God showed you, Brother Steve, the whole picture, you wouldn't have to trust him. So what God does is he gives you a glimpse of glory. How many have ever encountered the glory of God? How many, have ever, how many can say, my God, have you, ever been, have you ever been in the presence of God and you didn't want to leave there? There was such peace there. Oh, it's happened to me before. Sometimes it happens in church. There's such a glory there. There's such a peace there. Some of y'all find it easy to go to sleep in church. You want to know why? It ain't because of value, because it's always loud up in this church. You want to know why? It's because there's a peace here that's, that, that's missing from your home or your cubicle at work. There's a peace here, and it only comes in the presence of the living God. Have you ever been in such a glory? Come on, thank you, Holy Ghost. The Bible talks about a time where Jesus was transfixed. Yeah, the transfiguration of Jesus. And he was right there on the mountain. And Peter, James, and John, they wanted to build him a temple. They didn't want to go back down from the mountain. They said, why can't we just stay right here? We can build a monument to your glory right here. I don't want to go back down the mountain. But Jesus said, no, you got to go back down. Come on, talk to me in here. Have you ever, I can, under, I can relate to them because the glory of Jesus Jesus was transfigured right before their eyes and they didn't want to leave when you encounter the glory of God for glory's sake there's going to be something on the inside of you that never wants to leave that glory there's going to be something so heavenly something so eternal there that you're not going to want to leave that present how do you know you're in the presence of God because you're going to want to linger there as long as his presence linger my God God give us some believers today that say Lord wherever your presence is that's where I gotta be I want to be where your presence is. I don't want to be where your presence is not God. I want to be where the glory of God abides. Still God, even though he visits us, still there are moments that it lifts. It's not that the presence of God departs from us because he lives on the inside of us. The Bible says where two or three come together in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. It's not, it's not that the glory departs from us per se, but it's just being able to feel his tangible presence. It changes. 
We go into different atmospheres and it's not the same. The glory is not the same there. How, how many know what I'm talking about? And so when you encounter the glory of God, you want to linger there. At least that's what should be your reaction. You should want to stay where his glory is. Now, can you imagine? The Bible says that we have been given the earnest of the Holy Ghost. That's another word for the down payment. You've been given the down payment of the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine if it's glorious just with a down payment? Then what does the full picture look like? You see, so God doesn't show you everything. God doesn't reveal eternity in its, in its entirety so that there can always be a longing for heaven as your home. There are things about eternity that you and I will never know in its entirety. You want to know why? Because if, if he showed you everything there was to know, then you wouldn't long for it like you should. If God would show us, I said it during the first service, if God would show us the, the entire picture of eternity, then you and I would no longer be reaching for things that are ungodly. We wouldn't have a flavor. We wouldn't have a taste. I know you're not going to say amen to this, but you and I still touch things that are unclean. I wish somebody would help me preach in here. You still see things that you shouldn't be seeing. You still say things that you probably shouldn't be saying. But if we had a full picture of his glory, you and I would not desire anything that was profane. You and I would long for things that were holy and righteous. You and I would long to fill our soul with only God and his glory. But every now and again, your flesh, yeah, I said it. Every now and again, our flesh, we still desire carnal things. That's why God hasn't shown us the entire picture of his glory because there's still at the end of the day, you should still wake up and say, my God, I know God is good, but I know this isn't as good as it's going to get. There's something. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul said, I am convinced that these momentary and light afflictions are not worthy to be compared with the glory. Somebody shout glory. glory. No, somebody help me breathe. Somebody shout glory. glory. Everybody in the back shout glory. Paul said, I'm convinced that the glory that shall be revealed is not worthy to be compared with this light and momentary trouble. If you have trouble in the house, wave your hand if you got a little bit of trouble. Unless everything's perfect, how many can say, I got a little bit of trouble right now? Well, the apostle Paul would tell you, I am convinced. Somebody shout, I'm convinced. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm convinced. What are you convinced about? I'm convinced that my momentary and light affliction is not worthy to be compared with the glory. He said the glory, my God. He said the glory. He said the glory. He said the glory that will be revealed on that day. There's glory coming, whether you perceive it or not, whether you believe it or not, there's glory coming. My God, my Bible says, whether you believe it or not, my Bible says that soon and very soon the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The old saints used to sing a song that says, soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Thank God for all the blessings. Thank God for all the goodness. Thank God for everything you have in this life. But there's something better that's on the Way. there's something more glorious about his presence there's something to be said about eternity don't fall in love with anything earthly there is a glory that will be revealed that far outweighs anything this world has to provide somebody lift your hand and shout hallelujah people fall in love with the world and all of its blessings as if something greater isn't coming you fall in love with your house your cars all of that's going to stay todo eso aquí se va a quedar not only is it going to stay, but it's going to go to your neighbor that you can't even stand. <laughs> all your shoes, all the clothes, you look at your neighbor funny like, mm-hmm, I don't like you. Oh, hi. <laughs> you can't stand your vecino. Well, all your stuff, if they don't know you, all, all, all your neighbor's going, well, they. Now, 
I got, I'm almost done, but I got to say I have two dogs that I love. Now, you can argue with me. The Bible isn't clear about it, but I believe my dogs are going to heaven with me. Now, I don't know about your dogs, but my dogs are saved. My dogs love Jesus. I have them pray for their kibble before they dig in. What are you pursuing that's outside of God's time? What is God trying to show you that is outside of his time and order? It might not be that it's... Help me to say it, Lord. God doesn't always say no. Sometimes he says not now. Some of y'all are mad. Why can't I have it? And it's not that God said no. It's just not right now. There's a difference between no and not yet. How many love candy? Wave at me if you love candy, desserts, and all things sugary. Why are you lying up in here? You didn't raise your hand. You don't like candy? No sugar? No dessert? I ain't going to your house for Thanksgiving. Don't invite me. I ain't, I ain't trying to go. I ain't going to her house. I ain't going to her house. Don't invite the preacher over. I ain't trying to go there. The devil is a liar. Here's some sugar-free, sugar-free pie. Get it out of here. They ought to punch the man that, that invented sugar-free, sugar-free pie. They ought to punch him right in his nose. I'm guilty of eating dessert before the main course. Don't put it in front of me because I, mean, I, I, need, I need that to be hidden from my sight until it's time. Amen. Look at sister right now. Now she's like, oh, yo, talk to them. Talk to them. Preach to them. You can't put the cookie down in front of me before I, because I'm going to eat the cookie first. I have the table etiquette of an eight-year-old. It's not, it's not that God's trying to keep the cookie from you. It's just he's just telling you not yet. Simple analogy, but some of you are longing for what God is ultimately telling you. It's, it's not time for that yet. It's coming, but wait. I would have fainted, the word of God says. I would have fainted, Brian. The word of God says, I would have fainted if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I would have fainted. I would have fallen out. I would have quit if I didn't believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so it's not that God is trying to keep something from you. He just needs you to wait on his timing and his order. Because anything that you do, anything you pursue outside of God's time, it's an exercise in futility. And it's going to feel like you're going against the grain. But my God, if you will wait on God's timing and order, if you will, I feel the anointing of God, if you will wait on his timing and his order, it will feel like the wind is at your back and everything is falling into its place. My God, stop trying to put a round peg into a square area. You can't do it. It's not going to fit as hard as you try. You can pray about it. You can pour oil all over it. You can have everybody touch and degree and it's not going to work. But it's not because it's not for you. It's because it's not time yet if that's all you take home from this word today then praise God you've taken something that is of value are you following me in the house shout hallelujah 
Give me the next point because we got to go home and that, that sausage is going gonna, is gonna to turn soggy. God allows man, he allows us to moderately enjoy his earthly gifts. God wants you to enjoy his gifts, but he wants you to do it in moderation. By that I mean don't enjoy them so much that you forget your creator. Touch your neighbor and say, enjoy God's gifts. Enjoy them. Look at the text. Put it up there. Give me the verse because they're looking at me strange. We got to go home already. I perceive that there's nothing better. Somebody shout, there's nothing better. Nothing better than what? Than for them to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Next verse, put it up there. Also that everyone should eat, drink, and take pleasure in their toil. Because this is God's gift to you. Let me say this. I got to go home. We got to go. Uh, but stop apologizing for God's blessing over your life. There are always going to be people that don't want you to have it. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but some of you are apologetic about the favor of God that's over your life. Every blessing that God gives you, I got to walk back here. Every blessing that God gives you, don't apologize to the people that are mad about it. They don't want you to have it just because they haven't worked like you work. They haven't sown like you've sown. Don't ever apologize for what God has given to your family. Don't ever apologize for that favor. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever feel bad about walking in what God has given to you. Enjoy it every single day because them people that don't want to see you happy, they're going to be bitter and Anyway, so you might as well enjoy it all the way home. What you doing? I'm just enjoying everything that God has given me. And if you don't like it, too bad. Pardon me because I feel happy all by myself. And if you ain't happy for me, well, that's too bad, baby. You just going to have to watch me enjoy every blessing that God has come in my way. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm telling you all today, eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's God's gift to you. Amen. It's amazing. It's amazing how people who don't work for nothing criticize you for working and enjoying what you work for. The most critical people in your life are going to be the ones that haven't worked for anything. The most critical people in the ministry are the ones that don't do anything. Come on, can I? I need some encouragement because they're quiet. Give me a five. Come on, can I? The most critical people in church are the ones that don't do anything. The ones that just sit there and they don't serve. They don't give. They, but they're the ones that have the opinion about everything. They don't give, but they have an opinion about giving. They don't serve, but they have an opinion about how it should be done. Why are y'all getting eerily quiet on me in here? The ones that are serving and giving, they're the ones that are doing the work. So they, they're too busy to be talking. Mm -hmm. I wish I had a witness in here. They're too busy to be talking. They're too busy to be criticized. They're doing the work. So while you're criticizing, keep on working. While you're talking, I'm going to be working. Ah, I feel God at my back now. While you're talking, I'll be working. And while, come on now. And because I'm working, I'll also be reaping. Keep on talking. I'll keep on working. And while you're talking, I'll be reaping. Hallelujah. And when my harvest comes, don't look at me sideways. I worked for this. I sold for this. Eat, drink, and rejoice that God's gift is over your life. Rejoice over God's gift because rejoicing and receiving, enjoying God's gifts, that's never out of season. You want to know what's never out of season? Receiving and enjoying every gift that God gives you because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Somebody shout, every good. Oh, I need y'all to help me finish. Somebody shout, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Receiving those gifts, enjoying those gifts is never out of season. And let me end this sermon right here. Some of you have been going through struggles for so long. You've been in hardship for so long. It's been such a long season of struggle that you've forgotten how to receive the goodness of God. 
In fact, thank you, Holy Ghost. Some of you, God's been pouring out his goodness over your life, but you have a hard time believing that you deserve that goodness. And Satan's in your ear telling you, oh, you know you don't really deserve this. Listen, there are times that you've got to look at your adversary and say, I know that's right, but that's what makes God's grace amazing. This is going to sound weird to you, but sometimes you got to agree with your enemy. <laughs> you don't deserve this. I know that's right. You want to confound your enemies? Just look them dead in the face. All you hate is look them dead in the face when they're looking at you like, yeah, it's a, it's a, I know. You think he, yeah, she doesn't deserve that. I, why, why didn't God? Just look them dead in the face. Like, I know, right? You need a ride in my car that you don't like? Come on, you want a ride? She don't deserve that. I know it doesn't it look good on me. She don't deserve that, man. Look at it. Isn't he cute? My God, look at He's out of my league. Oh, women, y'all are scared to say that, but it's all right to look at your man and be like, he's too good for me, and I know it. I love it. Thank you, Brother Tony, because your wife's out of your league, too. I, I look at you every day and be like, my God, she must have trouble seeing. Praise the Lord. I told Brother Tony today, you're walking with a new confidence, brother. He was walking to that store like that, like, my God. He had a new pep in his step. Somebody lift your hand and shout, God, I'm ready to receive. I need everybody in this sanctuary to lift your hand. Well, if you don't want to receive, that's fine. Everybody that wants to receive, lift your hand with your pastor and say, God, I'm ready to receive. Worship team, come. I'm ready to receive everything, and not only am I ready to receive it, but I'm ready to enjoy it. Baby, let me tell you, your drought is coming to an end. It's time. It's your season for you to receive and enjoy everything that God wants to give you. And I feel I feel an unction from God to declare over your life, your dry season is coming to an end. You better get ready, get ready, get ready to receive everything that God has with your name on it. And don't apologize for it. Don't Come on, don't worry about them hater don't worry about them criticizer you keep working god will keep blessing you keep receiving come on you keep working god will keep blessing and you keep receiving i'll say it again you keep working god will keep blessing you keep receiving everybody standing come on come on all over this building we're gonna end worshiping god because there's joy in the house of the lord we're gonna leave praising the lord there's joy up in this house Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a river flowing, and we want to dance in that blessing. We want to shout over that blessing. Come on, we're going to rejoice over that blessing. We're going to remind the devil that God's blessing should be received and enjoyed because whatever God does is perfect. You can't add to it. You can't take anything from it. That's what verse 14 said. The work of God is complete. You can't take anything from it. You can't add to it because it's eternal. Hallelujah, thank God. Whatever God does endures forever. Somebody shout forever. Whatever God does endures how long? How long? Whatever God does endures forever, my God. That tells us that his actions are permanent. Yeah, they're permanent. That tells us that his actions are effective and they are complete. Nothing can be added to it, my God. Here's a word for somebody. What God is going to do in your life, you can't add to it and you can't take from it. Mm. Hear this. Whatever God is going to do with your husband, you won't be able to add to it, and you won't be able to take from it. It's going to be absolutely perfect. I hear two words in my spirit, tailor-made. I hear two words in my spirit. I hear two words in my spirit, tailor-made. 
I hear two words in my spirit. I don't know who I'm talking to, but somebody ought to reach out and say, God, I believe that for this season. Tailor-made, tailor-made. What you got? Tailor-made for me. It's tailor-made for me. Tailor-made, 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 tailor-made. Tailor-made, that means, that means, my God, that means that it, re, that it meets exact specifications. My God, that means you're not going to have to force it. Come on, you're not going to have to have it altered. Yeah, thank you, Holy Ghost. No alteration needed. Ooh, no alteration needed. When you buy something, sometimes you got to take it to the tailor and say, I need you to adjust this and adjust that. I need you to fix the sleeves. I need you to take it in here. But whatever God does, no alterations needed. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You got to hear this. When God does it, he does it right. Nothing missing. Nothing needs to be added. You know what's coming to my mind? A Disney movie. I don't even know what it's called. So y'all going to have to help me. But, but, but a Disney movie. Uh, what's that movie? Help me, Adam. That movie where that girl, she... she there's a family and, and, and there's a slipper there's a slipper I think it's a, a crystal slipper what's is it Cinderella boy y'all sure do know a lot of using well, give me the 12 disciples right now y'all are like don't look at me I'm kidding I'm kidding Cinderella you know the story of Cinderella there's a crystal slipper right and they go, they go and they, they, they try, they, what do they try to do? They try to fit the slipper to every female in that house. Right? But there was one by the name of Cinderella who was, I think she was what? She was, she was cleaning, right? She was the maid. She was, a, uh, here's the point. She wasn't even invited to that party. Y'all are looking at me like, are you really trying to preach me, Cinderella? No, I got Bible for you. Here it comes. And Samuel went to anoint the new king over Israel. And he went to the house of Jesse and said, Jesse, I need you to bring all of your sons and stand them before me now. And Jesse went and had the audacity to bring seven. Come on, y'all ain't talking to me. He lined his sons up one by one. Come on now, he lined them all up. And the prophet of God, I feel the anointing. The prophet of God went into the house of Jesse and he had his vial of oil. Not these little cups that we have now. No, it was, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a huge thing of oil. That thing would be poured from the head all the way down. And so the prophet of God comes into the house of Jesse and he said bring me your sons I'm here to anoint the new king of Israel so come on now so Jesse comes he said here they are and so Samuel goes down the line one by one he looks on my ah, you ain't the one ah, this oil ain't for you you ain't hearing me by the Holy Ghost and he went mm, this oil isn't for you either my car and he walked in there this oil isn't for you either and then he told Jesse do you by chance have another son sometimes I get so excited I feel like dropping the mic and running do you by chance do you by chance have another son and he said well yeah but that's just David Ah, y'all are helping me preach it before it even comes out of my mouth. That's just David, but he's, he's outside working. 
while everybody else was in line David was outside watching the sheep what if I told you that the anointing of God is reserved for those that are working what if I told you that the anointing of God was reserved for those that are toiling that ground you got people waiting in line for a blessing but some of y'all have been working for it praying when nobody's watching fasting when nobody told you to fast believing when everybody else stopped believing years ago you're still standing on that word you're still holding to that promise against all odds you're still and I came to tell you don't give up now because Samuel's about to anoint you hallelujah Samuel's about to pour that anointing oil over your head he said do you have another son that's just David where is he he's outside tending to the sheep can you imagine David comes in the room and he's shorter than all his carnales. He's shorter than all his brothers. Younger. He came in smelling like sheep. Just like Jesus smelled like the sheep. He came in smelling like sheep. And the moment he walks in, Samuel, the Spirit of God says, Ah, this is the one. Pour that anointing oil over David. And the Bible says, hallelujah, that David was anointed king over Israel. David. Somebody shout David. And when Goliath went to provoke the army of God, the army of Israel, he taunted them every day and said, is there not a man to fight me? And it was a boy by the name of David who heard about it. And he ran up to that battlefield and said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who provokes the army of God? And the king of Israel, Adam, was afraid. And he says, Hey, you can't handle it. Just, I don't know. You're crazy. He said, what? Who does he think he is? Let me at him. Saul tells David, Look at you. You're a boy. You don't even have any armor. Here, if you're going to fight him, then put on my armor. But the armor was too big for David. It didn't fit him. I'm still in the anointing right now. That's why it's tailor-made. What God has for you is for you. Softly. Hear this. Softly. What God has for you is for you. Tailor-made. Tailor-made. What God has for you is for you. Tailor-made. And because you've been working, 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 and working, and working while no one was watching, you were working while they were criticizing, you were working while they were talking, you were working. And so now you're about to enter a season where that anointing oil is going to flow over your house. And not only that anointing oil, but God's blessing is about to come to your home. You're about to experience a visitation of God's favor like you've never seen it before. Don't apologize. Walk in it. Receive it and enjoy it. Give them something else to talk about. Let them criticize you. Let them talk about you behind your back. You know and I know and heaven knows that while they come on while they were while they were complacent you were working that plow and that anointing is reserved for those that are working while nobody else is watching can I tell you that what you did in secret God is about to reward you for openly
whenever a word goes out, it's everybody should lift their hands and receive it and say, I receive that for me because whatever God does for one, he'll do for another. Don't just be a bystander. When the word of the Lord goes out, you ought to reach out and say, God, I receive that. I believe that over my life, over my kids, over my business. I receive that for me. Taylor made. Somebody shout, Taylor made. Taylor made. There's a blessing with your name on it. It's Taylor made for you. It's for you. It's for your family. Taylor made. It's going to fit perfectly. Just like Cinderella's slipper. All the other girls that they had to try to fit it. Help me, help me, help me. They had to, come on, they had to force it. Women know what that's like, right, cousin? Women know what it's like to love a shoe so much that they force their foot into it. Oh, but something glorious happened when it's just your size. That'll preach. When the shoe fits, you walk right. That's a word y'all ain't hearing me. When the shoe fits, you walk right. Let's rejoice over it today and thank God that our season's about to change. You're about to receive God's blessing. My God, not only receive it, but you're about to enjoy it. So let's leave shouting. Are you ready, Jason? Come on. There is joy in the house. There is a river flowing. Are you ready? Come on. Take us in now, brother. Let's leave shouting before we go. If you still have life in you, can you clap your hands with them like this? Come on. Worship God with energy now. Come on, sing it out. Within me, there's healing in the waters. We want to dance. There is a river flowing, a river of life. Within me, there's healing in the waters. Come on, we want to dance. We want to dance. Hallelujah. There is joy in the house of love. There is joy in the house of love. Declare it now. Come on, freedom reigns. 